I've been thinking about this for a few days, and I think that pelvic floor therapy is basically the therapy you get that you don't get anywhere else. So it's like everything that's missing from all the other providers who don't know what to do with it. So, you know, those providers who treat orthopedic injuries and they deal with people who have hip pain, back pain, or groin pain, and they just don't know um, how to treat certain pelvic dysfunctions. And we kind of treat the whole body in pelvic floor physical therapy. I mean, holistically, we look at the entire body and, you know, the mental part of it, the nutritional part of it, and everything else in between. We are two unique female professionals and friends that have come together to have meaningful conversations and a little fun along the way. Welcome to the Arable Podcast, where curious minds grow. I'm your host, Jenna Mountain, and I'm your other host, Kimberly Galindo. Welcome back, Arable friends. We are continuing our series with Genesis PT and Wellness, and today we have Dr. Haley Miller with us. I'm going to read through all of her incredible accomplishments and tell you a little bit about her approach and work, and then we are going to dive into our time together today. Um, Dr. Haley is driven to find the true cause of pain and dysfunction in order to go beyond treating the symptoms for long-term relief. She finds it to be very meaningful in her support of patients if they have their own friends and family. So she's got that well-rounded approach, which is why we love her so much. She has made it her mission to help normalize the treatment of pelvic dysfunction in healthcare and make it a standard of care that all women and men uh, be seen by a pelvic floor specialist and have an initial in- intervention. Uh, she's passionate about advocating for better postpartum care. Um, and not allowing any mother to normalize pelvic dysfunction and pain. She encourages her patients to not settle for anything less than receiving individualized care. Haley was born in Arizona and made her way to Albuquerque, New Mexico, where she graduated from the University of New Mexico. She has 11 years of experience working in personal training and has experience, uh, and this experience ignited her passion to help others um, in a more direct approach in pursuing a career as a physical therapist. She and her husband, Chris, moved to Fort Worth so she could attend the University of North Texas Health Science Center in Fort Worth to complete her doctorate in physical therapy. She enjoys spending time at home with her husband and her sweet boy, Jackson, and their two dogs, Ava, and is it Jovi? Is that, am I saying that right? Awesome. In her free time, she loves to be creative in any way from painting to building furniture and renovating her home, which we might have to connect on that front yeah. because I have questions. Also loves of ours. Welcome, Dr. Haley to Arable. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so what would you add personally, professionally to, to your incredible bio? Not that it needs any addition, but any... Anything that you would like our listeners to know about you on either one of those fronts? Yeah, um, I guess something that's not on that bio is I've had another career before my personal training career, and I was doing hair in a salon. Um, so I, you know, kind I of also like love that. This part of your story. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of do it on the side just for a few people, but it's kind of fun for me. So I'm very 
creative in that aspect too. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love oh my that. gosh. Yeah. So cool. Very cool. You have a, you are a multifaceted woman, Dr. Haley. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Helping people feel better and look better. I love that. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which is what matters. Yeah. So we have started out our entire Genesis series with the same question for you guys. And I, I really believe, really given the gift of the nuance between you and all of your colleagues uh, in the way you answer this question. So I'm going to start the same way with you, ma'am. What is pelvic floor therapy in your own words? Oh, I've been thinking about this for a few days. And I think that pelvic floor therapy is basically the therapy you get that you don't get anywhere else. <laughs> So it's like everything that's missing from all the other providers who don't know what to do with it. So, you know, those providers who treat orthopedic injuries and they deal with people who have hip pain, back pain, or groin pain, and they just don't know um, how to treat certain pelvic dysfunctions. And we kind of treat the whole body in pelvic floor physical therapy. I mean, holistically, we look at the entire body and, you know, the mental part of it, the nutritional part of it, and everything else in between. It's really incredible what you guys do. And I will get into like myths and all of that stuff later in the podcast. But, you know, one of the reasons we set out to do this series, one, we're sort of fans and love y'all a lot, like, and now we're roomies in several locations. So it's fun. Um, But I really do not think people understand the breadth and depth of what you guys understand with the body. And like I have, I have this week hung out with some of my dearest friends and they have shared some stories about like some things their family members are going through. And I was like, Oh, they should go see a public court physical therapist, like, or, or occupational therapist. Like they would, they actually know some stuff on how to work with that, that I don't think you're going to get in a classic setting. And they, they looked at me mind boggled, but because I have this, you know, kind of credibility and relational equity with them, they're like, okay, I will do that. But you guys know how to do some stuff that is absolutely out of the box, so holistic. And I would say in my personal experience of pelvic floor therapy, I, I felt like things were addressed that other people missed. And, and so, yes, that has been my personal experience of you all. Absolutely brilliant. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like we talk about the things that nobody else wants to bring up in, in their appointments with other providers. We talk about the nitty gritty, the dirty stuff, all the TMI stuff. So that's what I love to do. I mean, it's stuff that we need to talk about and needs, needs to be addressed. Absolutely. I'm curious what drew you into the work of pelvic floor therapy? I hear your passion and just your brilliance, but tell us a little bit about your journey into this work. I kind of was drawn into it from multiple avenues um, with my background kind of working um, as a personal trainer, working with different athletes of different ages, different sexes, um, males, females, and kind of not knowing what to do for certain conditions like the leakage that would happen with certain movements or growing pain with my male clients at the time. And then going through PT school, um, we had a one day lecture that was only three hours on the pelvic floor. 
And I was like, There's wow, a bit of a pattern like, here. All of yes. you say the same thing. We had the one class or the one lecture. One. Only one. And I'm like, why is it this longer? Maybe, you know, a few extra weeks, like every other body part. But that class just kind of um, fueled my passion a little bit more for this specialty because this is the missing part. We go over all the other body parts, like, and then we skip the pelvis. Like, we go over the hips and the and the joints there, but not the pelvic floor and what can happen when there's dysfunction there. Um, mm-hmm. And then we had a medical event where um, we had a bunch of different medical providers talk about maternal death rates in America and kind yeah. of like how um, how America isn't really progressing in that avenue. And it just kind of uh, made me more passionate about serving others who aren't getting the care that they need, especially those moms. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I love that it, it, you want to, one, not just help. I'm a very helpful person, but also go to spaces where not a lot of folks are going, have conversations where we're not having them, um, um, be be what we would call disruptive in a really good way, you know, to kind of disrupt the, oh, we don't talk about that, or I don't know that that's available. So that's incredible. I'm sitting here thinking about your comment of um, just about the maternal death rate and how there's a gap there. Um and I am so deeply appreciative that, you know, there's there's a very large part of what you guys do that's stepping into that space and, and filling a facet of trying to address that. You guys also address, and many of you have said it, you, you and your buddies on, on the podcast so far in the series, you guys are also addressing and really trying to disrupt the message that women should just be living these painful lives with unaddressed, you know, with these issues that we have just allowed culture to tell us is normal. Like you guys are really in a very beautiful way disrupting that space as well. Yeah, we definitely have to. I mean, it's not okay for these moms to be dismissed after, you know, their two week checkup, their six week checkup to be told that they're okay to go back home, take care of their two or three kids and their newborn and the household or going back to work um, soon after that. And Mm -hmm. it's just the messages that some people are giving to moms is that it's okay to leak. It's okay to have pelvic pain. It's okay to have pain with intercourse and all these other things. Um, But it's not, this isn't, this shouldn't be normalized. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I really appreciate this community um, who are making good strides at changing this message and making sure that moms are getting the help they need. And it's, it's getting out there. I feel like, um, yeah, more and more people know what's available. It's just, we got to continue to spread that message. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I hear it, cause I'm now in this community, you know, as someone who's like a sex and relationship expert, it still is incredibly common to continue to run into people as, you know, I kind of bump, bump around or hang out in other circles where they're like, really? No. I'm like, no, y'all have to quit saying this stuff. Like it's not okay to live in pain and not even just like 
you know, what everybody kind of focuses on when we think of pelvic floor, you know, like our actual pelvic floor and genitals and, and scars and things like that. But, but you guys really go after a lot of stuff like, Hey, you have this like consistent, like shoulder pain from holding your baby in a certain way or carrying the carrier. Like you guys kind of go after all of it and, and really empower women to, um, fight against accepting a life of pain and dysfunction. And so I just would like to take this moment to thank you for that. So appreciate y'all so, so much. Speaking of women, let's take a hard turn because we are having so much fun uh, talking to a couple of you who are willing to see men. And we are trying to disrupt that space too. I, I think if you know about a pelvic floor therapist and that type of um, just uh, service that you guys provide, that if you're in that bucket, you're in a very small percentage of the population, you probably assume that's mostly for women. And so it's an even tinier percentage that realizes you guys can do a whole world of difference for men and they don't know about that. So we want to have a really intentional conversation about that. Tell us more about working with the gentlemen of the world and their pelvic floors. Yes, I'm excited to talk about this. And you're right, men have a pelvic floor too. So they need this this physical therapy as well. So um, yeah, the men that I typically see, um, which is unfortunate for them, but they usually have been to so many other providers to discuss certain pains, issues, I mean, it can, it can vary from pain or issues with urination and pelvic pain, groin pain, pain with um, intercourse or erections, ejaculation, that kind of stuff. And again, some providers don't want to discuss it or they just don't want to get to, you know, they don't want to dive into that discussion with them. And they'll, they'll mm. usually do a bunch of different tests, urine analysis, and despite being negative for any infections, they'll treat them with antibiotics to maybe just cover their bases. And then they go through many rounds of this before they get referred to physical therapy as a last intervention. So yeah, we see men who have been through a, just endless treatments and endless providers before they get help. So again, this message needs to be shared with the community that men also need to be treated yeah. Um, if they have any pelvic dysfunction. I don't think most pen, most men know what pelvic dysfunction for them look like. So can you give us like just high level, like what are some of the symptoms that should sort of pique our interest and raise our awareness that like something might be going on? Because I think they've done the same thing, but with other stuff, they have normalized things that are not normal. Yeah, definitely. Um, some things that can um, happen with pelvic dysfunction is persistent low back pain, tailbone pain, tailbone pain, uh, pain with sitting. Um, and then you've got things like pain with urination, uh, pain with uh, like bladder pain, constipation, um, and then sexual dysfunction, even erectile dysfunction. And again, just anything that a woman can experience as far as bowel and bladder stuff, men can experience too. So painful, like difficulty emptying, urinary uh -huh. urgency, urinary frequency, uh, just everything. Like, <laughs> Yeah. 
you know, as you tell the story of like you see men after they've gone through rounds of testing and probably, I, so I'm thinking from like the trauma therapist in me, um, pretty invasive medical tests at times. Like I know, I, I see that a lot on the female side and I'm like, oh, I wish they had gone to a PT first because we now potentially have like a sexual medical trauma, which a lot of people don't understand. We're going to have to undo what that was like for you in your brain, um, potentially. And then you say they end up finding you. I'm actually shocked that men end up finding you. Like how, how do men find you? Cause I think that that sounds like a hard fought for treasure hunt. Like, <laughs> like how did they find you? Yeah. I, I don't know how I feel like it's just lucky for them that maybe their urologist or a friend mentioned pelvic floor therapy or Google searches. Um, and this is another reason why I think a lot of pelvic floor therapists are on social media, TikTok, yes. all those silly things that I would have never imagined myself on. Um, but people are finding out stuff on there and getting referred to places like, like Genesis. So mm-hmm. I don't know how, like, it's just really hard for these men to get referred from their providers directly unless another one of their patients found us and told their provider about it too. And had a good experience. Yeah. 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 Like the famous study that we quote a lot, which comes out of the book, When Sex Hurts, which is focused on women, talks about most women have to see about four to seven doctors before they find the medical provider who really understands and can either offer a decent referral or, or kind of um, serve them in what they need. If there were a study, and I'm not sure there is, I haven't looked, about the men's side on this, I would would not be surprised if the number was up there, if those men were persistent enough to keep trying. Cause I also think again, we give up and we just live in dysfunction. Um, and one of the things that Kimberly and I said on one of our previous episodes talking with maybe Dr. Kayla and we were talking about men, um, we did not get trained about all the painful things that men can go through and that we should send them to a, like, it was not in our train. It was very much so very much so like the big thing was we will refer women to a pelvic floor physical therapist that will be a first stop. It is a good stop. We need to tell it like that, that was in there, but nowhere in our sex therapy training was there training that we should send men to you guys as well. Wow. So that's That's how new I think this is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's mind boggling. Yeah. It's, it's so sad and unfortunate that, we're lacking that in, in a lot of educational institutions. And it, uh, it just breaks my heart that these, I mean, it sucks that women have to go through so many providers, but also men, I'm sure it's way more and their pride and their ego is involved. And then depression, anxiety, their relationships are affected. I mean, it's, it's tough on them too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, y'all are just speaking to the systemic um, struggles, right? And to Jenna's point, just the, it's not a benign process. Like if they have hard fought for getting to the pelvic floor help, I think about all of the invalidating 
you know, disappointing, frustrating experiences that they, for both men and women, um, that they've experienced before they find, before they find you. So, um, yeah. You posted, I was a little while ago on social media about, um, kind of the fear, tension, pain cycle. And we'd love to unpack this with you for our listeners because it's it's not talked about a lot. It's something that we do a lot of um, education on with our clients, and I know you do as well. Um, so I'd love you to unpack that and kind of speak to that because there are so many myths that are the opposite of, of teaching this that are creating some harm for folks with pain. And so I would love you to just explain that and just teach our listeners a little bit about it. Yeah. Oh gosh. I love talking about this. Um, there's so much to it, so it's hard to know where to start, but, um, I guess we'll just start with like someone's experience with pain. So the first time someone experiences pain, that could be an injury to the foot, the ankle. It could be something like pain with intercourse. Um, It could be pelvic pain or a C-section scar that causes pain. So when someone has a memory of a painful experience, they have that in their nervous system. And the more they recall this memory, there's learning involved. And, And what happens is the nervous system kind of creates this new pathway where they remember this painful experience and their body responds in certain ways. It could be emotional, it could be physical, it could be a combination of things. Um, But I'll try to simplify it a little bit. Um, So when somebody has a painful experience and they go to do a similar experience, like going to run again and they have an ankle injury or they go to have intercourse with their partner, their body remembers and recalls that painful experience and the body responds and the brain responds. So the nervous system becomes protective and reactive um, to what's coming next. So in anticipation of an event, their body can tense up, their mind goes somewhere where they're protecting themselves. So it's a fight or flight or freeze response. And we'll, we'll talk about the intercourse stuff, which I think um, a lot of our patients get educated on here. So when they go to have intercourse with a partner, their body responds with a lot of tension and also their breathing changes. So um, just their nervous system kind of gets in this protective mode. Their muscles tense up all around the areas that are involved. So, and that could be whole body. It could be related just to the pelvis or the pelvic floor. Um, Their breathing slows or tenses or stops in anticipation of it. And then what happens is there's pain (laughs) and it, it just makes that experience either miserable, even more painful, or it prevents them from experiencing that event again. Um, So the pain tension cycle, the fear pain tension cycle is just a never ending cycle if they don't address each component of it. So I think in my post, I I 
tell people, hey, identify that fear or that thought that makes you anticipate that pain. Um, so whether it's going running again or having sex with your partner, you're going to try to identify that. And if you can't, I we highly encourage people to go see therapists like you, go get counseling to help work through this. And then it, we want to educate on it um, and then identify ways to overcome it. So using support, using um, teams like the pelvic floor therapists, counselors, um, family members, and talking with other people who are supportive can help. And then, um, I, and then trying to get rid of muscle tension and changing the way the body responds to that um, fear and that pain. So decreasing muscle tension, that could come from meditation, deep breathing, yoga, walking, anything that kind of puts your mind at ease and helps you relearn how to change your reaction, like change how to, sorry, let me reword this. <laughs> um, anything that can help you change the way your nervous system responds to that experience. Okay. Yeah. And then practice it. So practicing yeah. those techniques will definitely help. Yeah. Thank you so uh, much for yeah. <laughs> walking us through that. I think, um, we kind of started the podcast and very congruent that we're talking about these cycles and just disrupting them and the messages that are so counter to it. I'm sure we've all heard it as sex therapists, pelvic floor therapists, just the like, if it hurts, push through it, drink a glass of wine, just fight for it, lean in versus stop the cycle interrupt the mm -hmm. cycle we have to teach your nervous system something new and different and your your mind your heart your relationships and and the value of that so thank you for so beautifully walking us through what's happening yeah you know yep. yeah Definitely. and I don't I love that the way you describe it well we just love working with you guys because you're so holistic and that's our approach too like we're constantly looking for, okay, I'm going to stay within my scope of practice, but I can see where they're stepping into like the scope of what you guys do. And we know how to like pan back and forth really well. And you guys do the same thing. I love the way you choose to describe the nervous system. And honestly, the first time I was taught, we, we call it the pain cycle. I like, I like your title actually a ton better. Um, it was very much so in the narrow focus of female sexual pain and penetration issues. Still incredibly profound. Since then, um, and, and getting to know you guys better and y'all's field better, I'm going, oh, this is true about any pain in the body. And then integrating over time our understanding of trauma and how the brain works. So Kimberly and I, actually right as the pandemic was hitting, uh, we're in a pain, chronic pain and illness, EMDR protocol training. And, um, you know, some of the things that we learned there is like any insult to the body, whether it's physical or emotional, goes to the same place in the brain. 
and you know, again, the more you just are in your work, it crystallizes in new ways. And so it's actually this cycle. I actually teach it from a trauma perspective because these traumas create the same dynamic um, that causes the same tension and the same bracing, which then starts pairing physical, you know, tension and pain with experiences. And so I just love that you have, have broken it down in that way. And it's so important for our audience to hear this multiple times um, that you brought up, Kimberly. We do not push through like it's just a rubber band that needs to be stretched enough. The more you pair, the harder it is to undo it. And so I'm always having to shift that narrative with people. No, no, you're not stretching, you're pairing. Do you want these two things paired? No, I do not. Okay, let's stop doing that. But I really want to have sex. I know you do. We're going to get there. But we do not want to pair this experience with your sex life. And so it's a pairing thing, not a stretching thing, or a pushing through, or a, you know, getting to the other side. But man, that narrative is so strong in our culture. Mm -hmm. That's an awesome way to, to, to put it um, for your clients and your patients. I think that's awesome. I'm going to probably start using that. <laughs> we <laughs> always want to pair pain with sex. No. <laughs> no. No, no. We're going to have to undo that later in your brain. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's, it's the same. I mean, you can probably use that with any anything. Like with our moms. Like, do you want to pair leakage with your exercise or laughing? Like, no. Why no, would we want no. to? <laughs> Because <laughs> then we don't yeah. want to exercise. It's not good. Yeah. I mean, I've it's, been there. Uh, like, I've yeah. been to pelvic floor therapy. <laughs> yeah. I do not. Um, Dr. Haley, what do you think the biggest misconception about pelvic floor therapy is in your oh, experience? Um, again, like, that pelvic floor therapy is only for women because women have kids and, you know, that's, that affects them more than anything. But, again, it, men need it, too. So, pelvic floor physical therapy is for everybody with a pelvis. So, basically, if you're human. Yes. Yeah. Got I it. mean, human. I mean, you can even do therapy on horses and dogs these days. So. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Curious what your favorite part of your work is. You know, it sounds like you get a lot of joy and um, satisfaction from a lot of parts of what you do. and But something that just has always been your favorite. Yeah. Um, gosh, I there's so, so many things I love about. I love training, um, but I really like the results that people get. And it's not just, like, the results that happen day to day, but it's, like, what they came in for. They start you know, moving without pain, they stop leaking, they, and it's just so rewarding to see people so happy and returning to the things that they really wanted to get back into, um, and just teaching them that they are safe, that they are strong, that they are capable, and just encouraging them along the way that, hey, you're doing all the work, like, I'm just helping you find ways to overcome this, and I just find joy in, in that and treating my patients every day. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It is. 
Okay. If you could get rid of one myth, either about the body, health in general, pelvic floor therapy, to help and better our world, what would it be? Oh, gosh, there's so many. And I'm trying not to repeat some of the things that were said on previous podcasts. But it's okay. It's like casting I a think, vote. You can do that. Yeah. Okay, let's go with um, the postpartum journey. So the myth that moms are, you know, good to go at six weeks. <gasps> Tell us not more. True. We need to know yeah. more. Come on. More. It. Okay. It's not. Okay. So healing, especially postpartum, takes months and sometimes years. It just depends on how they labored and delivered. Um, and most often moms are told at six weeks that everything is good. But what happens is that their providers are only looking at maybe their stitches, um, their C-section scar, and everything's healing, looks great. And then they're like, okay, you're good. Like, go home. You can return to activity. You can return to sex. Like, everything's fine and you're not, you know, no issues. We can see you in six months or a year for your annual checkup. And what happens is these scars that they get from birth, um, C-section scars, perineal scars um, are sensitive. They don't heal well. So what happens is these C-section scars, the perineal scars, don't heal well and don't move well. And again, the nervous system tells them that it, it's, you know, not moving well. And then other areas get involved and there's pain. And then also their core isn't healed up very well. And they just need to reconnect to certain muscle groups and relearn how to move again. And some moms are thrown back into, you know, work and they experience pain there. And yeah. it's not okay. Like, none of this is okay. Moms need to be in physical therapy after, you know, having a baby at least two weeks after just to get checked up and make sure that things are on the path towards healing, healing well for them so they can return to functioning. Yeah. So that's a myth. It's not okay. That's six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, not to get political because it's really not my heart but if anybody had the information to argue for I don't know companies and governments to like do better on maternity experiences it's y'all yeah like there's just so much that happens and I can appreciate that if the scope of practice for the doctor that delivered the baby is to go, the stitches are healing. I can see that this is fine and that they are done. That's great. Like that's the clearance that they're giving, but that has gotten so misinterpreted that we are done adjusting. I mean, that sweet little nugget, like shoved our organs into places they don't belong. Like all of, I mean, everything about our internal state. If a woman chooses to breastfeed, you know, that hormonal shift can feel like menopause for some women. Some women, it's super euphoric. I love those women. I celebrate you. That was not my story. But for many women, it throws them into like a menopausal-like state. And, and like nobody's telling these women this. Like nobody's no. telling them this. And then the long-term care and recovery that you guys are so brilliant at doing 
most women don't even know that they need to do this. And then it starts the domino ripple effect into the rest of their lives that their bodies are not in great shape because they aren't. It's really it's sad that they don't get this education from their general OBs or midwives that are helping them out. Or even just like with sex education, like we just yep. need to do better from the get-go, um, from educating our kids and teenagers, you know, that kind of stuff. But gosh, yeah, there there are people out there who are advocating for better sex education, for better maternal care, uh, better hospitals, better providers for, for moms and and kids, but yeah, we do a lot of education to moms who somehow end up in our treatment rooms, and we talk to them about the changes with the hormones. We talk to them about the body changes and what they need to do to recover and let themselves heal. They're, I mean, they're not going to bounce back like society tells them to. Um, there's no physical, physiological way that they can bounce back from, you know, childbirth. It's, it's traumatic. And yeah, we need to do better at educating, um, educating society in general. Absolutely. As you talk, Haley, I'm sitting here thinking, what would the world look like if like our one, we had the better, better sex ed for our kiddos, but like if everyone heard from jump about their bodies and pelvic floor health from like, we've had Dr. Leah on the podcast like from like toilet training which is a part of your sex ed right all the Mm -hmm. way to like the puberty conversation in your pelvic floor to birth you know and and maternal education and like knew about this just it as how many fear tension pain cycles would be prevented Oh my gosh. You yeah. know, like if we just started from the beginning and like, hey, yeah. so your body, yeah, it's really cute that you found your nose and your ears and your eyes. You also have genitals and a pelvic floor. And let's talk about how to keep it healthy. I'm thinking, yeah. oh my gosh, that would be world changing. It would be. Oh my gosh. I, I have to share a funny story from my patient who's okay with me sharing this. I'm not going to bring up names, but she's a teacher in an elementary school and we were talking about bathroom stuff and um she brought up that one of her kids was in the bathroom for like a really long time and she had to go in there and knock on the stall and be like is everything okay do you need any help and she was like crying she was hysterically crying in the bathroom stall and just she could tell she was having a rough day and she goes you know what's wrong can I help you and she's like no no there's just poop in my butt. And like, she had the hardest time like pooping because she just was constipated. She didn't know how to poop. And our toilets are so tall for these little kids. And I'm sure Dr. Leah talked about it, but she goes over it with potty training. But yeah, if we, if we trained and educated parents or even preschool teachers on teaching people how to poop or just poop, we just had a better pooping world. We just need a yes, better pooping everyone world. would be so much happier. They'd be relieved and be a completely different person than they are. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I actually have like a follow-up question because it's come up for me. I'm so glad we're talking about pooping again, y'all. <laughs> it has come up for me as we've done this series, and I think every single one of y'all has talked about poop, which is just so on brand. <laughs> And we're big squatty potty fans in this house. 
There's like, and we have like the kid level ones and like oh. stools. But yeah, I mean, we're big fans. Yeah. So here's my question Is there a trick when you are not at home other than packing your squatty potty and taking it with you to help with the dynamic? Because I, I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, I was literally like at the office and I was like, mm-hmm. so what do I do here if I had to poop? You know, like, what do I, like, is there a way to position yourself when you're not in your, with your creature comforts at home? <laughs> I have questions. Yeah. So, of, yeah, question. there is. Definitely. <laughs> okay. um, the world. <laughs> there is a travel squatty potty. That you can there pass, is. No, nobody wants to carry that around all the time. Um, so there are some tricks you can, like, the tr- the waste basket you can turn on its side if it or uh-huh. I don't know if it's empty use it but um some people just elevate their heels um just to bring their knees above their hips and that seems to uh-huh. help um and then I don't feel it's as good as a stool but um if you can find something to put your foot on whether it's uh-huh. like I don't know maybe like the toilet brush holder or something that, that yes. can just give you some support so you can relax those muscles. Um, but yeah, just elevating your heels and coming up on your toes a little bit. And then again, breathing, making sure you're smelling the roses, blowing out the candles and relaxing everything. Yeah. That's what we teach our kids. We yeah. like not to poop, although to poop as well, but like for relaxation, we really smell the flowers, blow the bubbles, smell the flowers, nice. blow the bubbles. um no that's helpful I just was I I was thinking I was like we haven't discussed this and clearly I'm not very good at using the google because I did not find the travel squatty potty but I was just thinking like what do people do and I was talking about it actually with one of my family members who's actually gone on a lot of mission trips and overseas they don't have potties. They're just holes in the floor, which mm-hmm. was traumatizing to this group because they did not know the things, but really it was healthy for them. I was yeah. like, well, now you know. That was actually yep. really good for you to yep. squat like they that. They came back not constipated anymore, I'm sure. Right? <laughs> yeah. First time you travel and not get constipated. Yep. So I had to, like, squat over the hole in the floor. So there you go. Yeah, no, I, thanks to all my Genesis besties, I now travel with a squatty potty and my pillow and all my skincare. It's, like, required. I'm, like, so high maintenance now, but I'm happier for it. Yeah, you need your comfort measures. I definitely travel with my pillow. It's a must. Yeah, my pillow my squatty potty. So good. Dr. Haley, what's your favorite part about being on the Genesis team? Oh my gosh. Um, so many things. Um, one, I work with an amazing group of women who are so supportive. They're very motivational and just the education we share among each other is, is motivating enough. And gosh, it's, and we have fun. So much fun. <laughs> yeah. Y'all do. I mean, if any y'all crew knows how to have fun, it's those Genesis people. Genesis, they are down for a dance and a party <laughs> while educating you on all things pelvic floor, which is mm-hmm. so awesome. It's so great. Okay, Dr. Haley, you're a delight. We close the show each episode the same way. So here is the first uh, question. What would you like to leave the audience with? What would you like them to take away from our conversation today? I would love for the audience to advocate for better care for themselves and ask for 
pelvic floor and physical therapy referrals. That's great. So good. Final question. What's your takeaway from our conversation today? Oh gosh, so much. Um, I love your pairing just um, analogy as far as educating your your patients. And I think I'm going to use that more. And I think everybody should. I mean, just to simplify problems in their life, um, make sure we don't associate negative experiences with things that should be um, pain-free and um, more enjoyable. Yeah. So good. Yeah. We'll steal your words, too. It'll be a mutual stealing of the words. Yeah. Perfect. Love it. Dr. Haley, thank you so much for joining us and for conversing with us today. It was such a gift. It was a pleasure. It was fun. Thank you. It's always such a, this whole series has been this way, um, but it's always such a joy to talk with people that have your same heart and passion for, you know, what you want to do in the world and the care that we want to provide. So, um, but yeah. just feel life-giving. I'm curious. It's fun. it's fun hanging out with people who are like deep in their wheelhouse of expertise while you're in oh, yeah. and getting to like exchange on that front. Like it's just fun. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious what your takeaway is from the conversation. Man, she said a lot of really good things. I think that um, for me, my favorite part, which I guess is my takeaway, is I prefer her way of describing the fear, pain, tension. I'm like messing it up, but like her cycle rather than the way we originally kind of learned it because I think it's more general. It can be applied to more things. And I actually think it translates over to the mental health side of it with that broader understanding of like any insult, physical or emotional, gets paired in the brain and we create a cycle of tension and fear and perpetuate the experience again. So I just, I, I actually really enjoyed her version of that better. Absolutely. Same. What about you? Takeaway. Um, I am really taking away so much about um, the work with men and just each layer that right. Dr. Corey talked about, but then also Haley talked about. And just, again, what I am here bringing to my life is helping me be a, a better informed sex therapist and someone who treats male sexual dysfunction from the mental health sex therapy um, lane, I just feel so informed and equipped um, Mm -hmm. and thrilled that we have this team and I just have this vision for all these things that we're going to be able to collaborate and work with on this issue that is very much not talked about, addressed, or um, pursued. And so I'm just taking that away. It was so good. She went lots of places with us. I mean, it was good. Mm-hmm.
Thank you for joining us. Arable Podcast is hosted by Jenna Mountain and Kimberly Galindo. And edited and co-produced by Chris Vargas and hosted on Podbean. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Visit our website, arablepodcast.com, and find Arable Podcasts on Instagram or Facebook. You can also find both of us on Facebook. You can find me, Kimberly Galindo, on Instagram at the Kimberly Galindo. And me, Jenna Mountain, on Instagram at the Jenna Mountain.